0: Hello and welcome to the Denver Diatribe, a weekly discussion of culture, news, and stuff as it pertains to Denver, Colorado, the most haunted, spooky fucking city between Omaha and Salt Lake. This week on the Diatribe, the media edition, we watch local TV news so you don't have to. Declining circulation of the Denver Post and the future and present of online-only media in Colorado. With me in the studio are Jared DeKang, mayor of com, and our special guest today, Vanessa Martinez, online editor of 5280magazine.com, if you want to call it that. I'm John Dicker, washed-up author and journalist. Let's get to it. Um, This week, our assignment was to watch local TV news. I chose nine news. Jared, what did you have? Fox 31. And Vanessa? Channel 7. Okay, let's get to it. We we watched it just because uh, we've always wondered who the hell watches this anyway.
1: I think it was your idea, John. Yeah, it was. It was my I, idea. I found it actually a very hard task to complete. It sounds pretty easy just to watch 10 p.m. 10 o'clock news. I I wasn't successful every single night. I wasn't either. I neither, mean, you, you're so I. used
2: to ch- changing the channel. Okay, I feel better then. Yeah. No, it was torturous. It was mean. <laughs>
0: what what are we, were there any kind of uh i guess we can't say common threads but what what were your first gut reactions
2: why uh, why are why why is this called local news? most of it was all national like bits brought in from all over the place it, and with no reason i mean there was just no rhyme or reason to it why why do people in Colorado care about this yeah,
1: i mean it's it's a lot of it is infotainment, but a lot of it is just this uh It's like an ice cube tray that they just – that every single station just pours their own content into. There's not a lot of difference uh, in between different stations. And the two nights that I watched it, it was like you can peg out, well, okay, this is the heartwarming story. This is the pseudo-serious story. Here's some national news, and let's get out of here before Grandpa falls asleep.
0: (laughs) Yeah. No, I I don't want to rain on the hate parade here. (laughs) <laughs> um, but I, I will say in in their defense that i did see a couple of pieces on 9 news at least which is the kind of leader in the market there's a piece on the proposed sterling ranch development which is in Douglas County it was proposed for Littleton County it's a huge i think 9000 you know sort of home development with retail and like just huge and it's controversial cuz there's a lot of you know issues about water rights and the piece there was a 5 minute piece or so which was Decent. It fell into the classic sort of you know corporate media, mainstream media trope of here's one so on this, on the one hand this, on the other hand this. We're not taking a position. They cancel each other out. Don't accuse us of being biased. Uh, boredom. But it was still on one level informative. You know, it wasn't it wasn't crap. Um, uh, the, uh, it it was interesting to in terms of um you know a couple of other pieces that I saw. There was one on the Merriman family. Uh, the father, Sean, was convicted of a Ponzi scheme, I think, about a year or two ago, and he was sentenced to uh, 12 years in jail, and this was a, a, about the family kind of dealing with it. They had moved to Utah. They had sent one of the you know, local news uh, anchorwomans to, to Utah to you know, cover it, and it was, it, was kind of a, it was kind of schmaltzy, I'll, I'll be honest, but it wasn't, it wasn't awful. Uh, it was it,
2: it's a good idea. I mean, really, following up on a story like that, you don't see a lot of media doing that anymore at all. And so following up and seeing where the family is, so trying to bring some kind of interest to it instead of just this guy's Ponzi schemer. I mean, it sounds like it could have been a good
0: idea. Right. It was all about how noble the family was for kind of, you know, now they have to, they have to go from living in a million-dollar house to basically living on. It was never for quite clear, and the footage showed them. Seemingly living comfortably, but I who knows? They said that they don't really have money, and the family is you know closer than ever. And it was one of those. It was what you would call a heartwarming story that probably begged as many questions as it answered. Uh, but it, I, I wouldn't describe it as as junk.
1: Yeah, and you know, let me let me preface my next statement or my next analysis of of how TV news uh, actually functions when it comes to actual real life stories with. There are very many uh investigative reporters that still work for some of these uh television stations that are really great. Brian Moss here in denver uh Tony Kovaleski at Seven News yeah. Brian Moss is with channel Four at uh, Nine News will sometimes have some good stuff also so they are still able to come out with uh you know every couple months or so. Really, actual hard hitting stories, right? Like, they're they they do still fulfill that role,
0: right? It's 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 interesting because you want to be able to write it all off as corporate swill, but every now and then they'll be do, do something that you're just like, damn, that's good. What the hell? Why can't yeah. you do that more and, than and once? And when they do
1: it, it has such a big splash because the platform that they're operating from and the medium that they have, television, it can have just such a greater impact than something like a newspaper story. right?
2: Or and anything. it makes you... I think it really... All of it makes you wonder why they don't just change the format and offer more, like, those hard-hitting things. So, you like, you can tune in when you know you're going to get that. And if you want to watch the trash, then that's what you get. So they're more upfront about it. Like, we're going to do our investigation. Like, we'll do an investigative, like, 15 minutes, or we'll do an investigative show for 30 minutes and, like, then do weather for 30 minutes, which is what Channel 7... I mean, it's, like, 15 minutes of weather.
1: Yeah, because... You know, 90% of the people that tune in, they're only sticking around uh, through all the commercials and all the diff- different news spots to just find out what the weather is going to be like tomorrow.
0: Right. <laughs> right, right. And and they plug the weather as if it was, you know, John Hickenlooper fucking a goat, you know, like that. We we caught this on tape. They plug the weather like all the like time. The, like the tornado footage. That, we, uh, which does ble- lead me to br- in another bit of this, which is, you know, more on the business end. But just the salaries, it's it's pretty shocking Jim Beneman, who is now of CBS4, nearly $700,000. Now, let's put this in perspective. Someone who works at probably Westward or the Denver Post, mm. I'm going <laughs> to guess, I don't know this for a fact, but I'm going to guess they're probably around 30000 a year. That's just outrageous. I mean, that's, it's, it is shocking, I have to well, say. Well, I mean, it,
1: it's, it's shocking in the sense that you, these stations and those types of salaries are pretty much leftovers from a different age when mm-hmm. a lot of these stations were highly profitable. But uh, 10 years after uh, the, the basically the new pa- newspaper apocalypse uh, because of the internet, the same things that were, that were plaguing newspapers and decimated uh, newspaper staff, the same things are going on with television news stations right now. So when you see a lot of these big contracts, what that means is that they're giving that much more money to some of their big stars but then they're cutting money from anywhere and everywhere else within their staff and their uh production
0: right Mm -hmm. and i guess i'm just naive like how much does this star power matter like i i watch you know adele arakawa and i'm like she's competent but i'm not blown away
2: no and you also look what's where's the connection and the community connection how are you supposed to trust these people to give you their news like why do i care about you Right. You know, and especially knowing that the salaries, I mean, they look like that. They embody it. They, you know, I don't ever feel myself represented by these people in any way. I just
1: don't think the format in general is sustainable. I don't know about you guys, but I have a TV, but I don't even have cable. Right. And so when all of a sudden I had to think about uh, going and and figuring out when, you know, 10 o'clock came around to go and actually turn on the television station uh it it was like a big chore for me it, it was sort of outside of my daily routine and i have to think that for a lot of people under the age of uh you know 35 and especially if you're under the age of 25 it's it's completely foreign to you because even if you do watch a lot of tv you're not going to be watching the nightly news you're going to be watching comedy central or you're right. going to be watching something else say like that and then for all the other people i know i know a lot of college students They don't have TVs in their dorm rooms anymore because you can still get all the shows that you want to see off of Netflix or Hulu or whatever. And and your schedules don't necessarily fit that same mold. So I just don't know who's watching this stuff.
2: I'm definitely looking forward to the new format. I don't know what it's going to be, but it has to be better than this. I did get a little bit of amusement out of um, Mike Nelson abusing – uh, the guy who the correspondent who went out to to report from the road on the snowy Monday night. It's like they love to abuse these people.
0: In other happy media news, the declining circulation figures at the Denver Post, they like most daily newspapers in this country are are still on the decline. And the Post, as we know, seem you would have thought it would have benefited from the close of the Rocky Mountain News. But their numbers are still shrinking What is their, you know, what is their future? What does that say about their future?
1: Those numbers and those figures came out uh, last week, but they're they're coupled. And I think that that the two different conflicting numbers are are just a testament to uh, our times the circulation dropped dramatically for people actually subscribing to the newspaper and picking up and reading it in paper form while at the same time their viewership online and particularly for the people who are viewing on digital devices shot up dramatically. Mm -hmm. And so while this might, uh, some people might say, well, this was a, the way they tried to spin with the numbers was it was kind of a wash, right? But everyone knows that this isn't a wash because the money that they lose in print advertising revenue is not, certainly not getting made up online for uh, online advertising revenue. And so it, it, you really have to wonder where is the post going to go from here in terms of staying fiscally sound in, in whatever shape it's in right now, which isn't very fiscally sound.
2: No, I don't know. I don't understand again why it hasn't changed. I mean, I think it's the same. Of course, it's the same problem with the television stations. There's no innovation. There's not. You've got this opportunity to really change your brand and own the pretty much, you know, the entire state when it comes to news. And they just haven't made any efforts to do that. In fact, they've cut their staff. Um, you know, it's like they have fewer and fewer real, you know, stories that they do on their own. They're sharing a lot of things online, too, with other newspapers. I read the post every day in the morning. I read through their feeds. And a lot of it is taking me back to the Aspen Times, the Fort Collins, Colorado, and the Colorado Springs Gazette. So it's not always their stuff that they're promoting.
0: And a lot of it is, you know, a lot of the the story when when the sort of the narrative is the decline of the daily newspaper in America. One of the topics that's not hit is they're fucking boring you know what I mean the, totally the story it's the kid eating ice cream cones you know for the 40 you know just that happy family friendly uh we will bend over backwards to prove that we're objective that it just is boring and it, that that's why you know in the world of online media I do think they are taking a back seat also they're very heavy-handed as I've mentioned before on this with their online ads like they're really obnoxious and i know it's a very challenging environment i know a lot of the kind of advertisers haven't migrated from print to online yet and so that that is a challenge but they're obnoxious you know the pop-ups uh, on on the denver Post's website
2: that's why i read the feeds i do that with <laughs> everything i feed everything into my feed reader yep
1: well here's my take with what went on with the denver post in the aftermath of the rocky mountain news closing i think that for you know, decades and decades and decades, you had the Post and the Rocky, and they sort of served as foils for each other, right? And being one of the last cities in the nation to have to be a two newspaper town, that was that was pretty extraordinary. Because when you talk to people, when you talk to reporters from the Rocky Mountain News, they got up every single day trying to beat the Denver Post, and vice versa. And then when the Post was able to win out this uh, this death battle. The owner, Dean Singleton of uh, Media News Group, I think that they said, well, we won, right? Mm-hmm. We succeeded, and we don't really need to do any more investment into this um, paper. We don't really need to do anything else. And I think that w- what it is now is they're just happy with the status quo. They're not going to invest anymore necessarily in things like, um, you know, the, the, the large investigative feature stories that you used to see the Post do reasonably well. You don't you don't see those anymore. And the, the one place I will give them credit for at least having um, – Taken a good deal of ownership in terms of coverage throughout the state. Is their political coverage, um, mm-hmm. is is good despite the troubles they're facing uh, staff wise. I mean, they they do. If you read the spot blog, um, their political blog, you you can get a lot of good information. So they have done that. Everything else, I mean, they're they're just letting stories fall through the cracks. And the the one other thing I'll add is that the unfortunate thing about the 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 media landscape, at least in Denver, is that. The Denver Post has kind of been the gatekeeper for what is going to be a story and what isn't. Right. So, uh, you know, you'll have some of these other media outlets and these online outlets coming out with stories that are like really legitimate breaking news stories. And the Post, I've seen examples of this time and time again, they will actively ignore the story.
0: Right. But that's, I mean, that's often in a a healthy media landscape where there's a number of papers vying for it. Can that just be the the nature of the beast where one, no one wants to stick their neck out on certain stories that are sensitive, maybe?
1: Well, I don't know, but I I think that before the Rocky went under, I think that what you would see is – the post would rush into a story because they were terrified. Like, if there was some inkling of a story, even if it was a post on a blog that seemed like it would be a story, the post would rush to to jump on the story because they were afraid the Rocky was going to get it. And the Rocky would jump on the story because they were afraid the post was going to get it. Now the post has the um, luxury of saying, well, if we don't cover it, then it's not a story. And because the television local television news stations take their cues from the post. I mean, there's so many reporters at these TV news stations that their, their their research and their investigations begin by opening up the post every single day. Right. And, and they take their cues from that. What are we going to, what are we going to cover for today? And they open up the post. If it's not in the post, it's not a real, you know, it it doesn't fall onto their radar or it's not seen as legitimate.
0: Presumably that leaves, you know, some room for Westward to pick up the slack. I mean, do you feel like they pick up the slack?
2: I think Westward has a different agenda when it comes to what kind of stories they want. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of middle ground there. Okay. That's just my, I think that's the, the general thing with alt weeklies is that you, you know, you're trying to be different from the dailies. There are stories that need to be told in the dailies. I think that, um, I don't know. I mean, I haven't worked at Westward, but I can't imagine being the editor. I would want to touch necessarily.
1: I mean, I think that there, there's a huge window for Westward and for, tons of other, um, upstart media or maybe quote unquote alternative media, even though I don't really know what that means anymore Mm -hmm. these days for, to, to fill in that news hole. Because I can tell you as a journalist, when I first started, um, five years ago, back in like 2005, you had so many media outlets and everything was just covered out the yang. I mean, you'd go to, you know, you'd go to a press conference and there'd be so many people there. There'd be, you know, so so you almost had to like find you worked had to work that much harder to find the stories that weren't being covered. Nowadays, it's like there are major stories coming out of the Denver City Council to do with the budget, to do with um, you know uh, decisions that are being made that just don't get picked up. And I don't think that's necessarily because the Post is actively ignoring it. I think that they just don't really have the same staff, staff that they mm-hmm. do. I mean, there's one guy in the entire city that's assigned to cover Denver City Hall, and that's Chris Osher at the Denver Post, right? Whereas five years ago. I can think of five reporters where that was their beat and and that's how dramatically you wow. have seen things change, but isn't in that amount of time
2: and isn't that kind of but that's kind of westward's thing is they don't they kind of pride themselves or at least they used to in the print edition on not doing those kinds of city council stories,
1: yeah, but that was also because you you had to you were the alternative right like you that this is already being covered, we're gonna go find the other things that aren't being covered. What's your role now? How, how are you an alternative when there's nothing left to be alternative to is yeah. my question. <laughs> yeah. you know, and I think that's a problem for a lot of alt-weeklies and um, you know, this blurring of the lines between what is a daily and wasn't an alt-weekly, between what is a daily and what is a satirical newspaper like The Onion.
0: Speaking of which, yeah, let's yeah. let's cover that. Segway. <laughs> <laughs> the Bridge. The It was announced last week, I believe, that the... Denver Post and the Onion had formed a sort of business partnership in terms of printing, distribution, and ad sales, where the Onion still retains editorial independence, but the Post is going to basically sell the ads and and distribute it and print it. What is this? Is this a sign of de- further desperation for the Post or for the Onion, for that matter, who has some uh, you know run differ- similar deals in other markets and? they've shuttered their print edition in cities as big as San Francisco and Los Angeles so they're not their print product is not that healthy
2: and i think this is, it seems to be without having asked any questions about it something that could be along those lines when you're asking the denver post which has such a different tone to obviously completely different to sell a paper like the onion what kind of priority is that going to get inside of their sales department first of all and how are they even going to sell that paper to advertisers that traditionally the post probably hasn't been selling to?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I tend to look at it just as a as a maybe a savvy business move on both of their parts. I mean, you look at the Onion, which is a national Run nationally, but you have to have ad sales teams in every single one of these cities because their advertising revenue at least for the their papers are local right but then you have the post who's <laughs> who you know d- has less space in their actual print edition to to run those ads, and you actually have an ad sale team here. I think that your point about it being sort of a different um, different types of ads, Vanessa, is valid because what the po- what the onion is selling ads to are the, kind of the same places that the Westward is selling ads to, the the concert venues, the bars, the things that are going to be appealing to sort of the younger demographic and the post. Weed, weed. Yeah, <laughs> and medical marijuana. So, you know, I, I think that it's just a thing like they're just looking, both, par- both parties are looking to cut costs
0: and this was a, you know, an easy way to do it.
2: Do you think they'll insert the onion into the Denver Post?
0: I can't see that. You can't. No, I, I don't. I don't see that happening yet. They might pimp it. They might like you know make little mentions of it somewhere. You know some advertisements for it. But I, I just don't see it. Especially you know the Onion does run. You know they run headlines with the f bombs sometimes, if I'm not mistaken, or at least they're you know they have f bombs in in their coverage. And God bless them for it. But uh, yeah, so I don't see that happening. Let's move on to our next media-related topic, which is kind of it borders on a lot of what we've been talking about, which is the future of online. Only journalism and media in Colorado. Um, I can say one of the things, you know, talking about the TV news stations is in some ways how bad their websites are. But at the same time, they do have most of their main stories they put on on video, which is handy. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're also it's one of the things, those things, TV stations and radio stations, commercial ones, at least, have horrible websites. They just they look like they're still in 2001.
2: Very tiny print.
0: Yes. But you know, there's there's other efforts. I, I can tell you, I was personally involved with a uh, effort in Colorado Springs, the High Plains Messenger, that was uh, going to be an online-only uh, publication that didn't that lasted about I don't know four months. Uh, but it was it was ambitious. We haven't really seen, and other cities like you know, like the Seattle Post Intelligencer, they folded their print edition and now they're web-only, and they're I don't know how they're doing. I know they're still alive. What has been going on, Jared? The reason why this sort of popped up as a topic
1: is that a um, a group called iNews, uh, what's their full name? There's Rocky Mountain Investigative News Network, I think it is, but basically it's a project um, run by former Rocky Mountain News staffer Laura Frank to bring back investi- long-form kind of investigative journalism for the online world, and they've uh, secured a number of grants, and she's been trying to do it for... Over a year, and she finally got a number of grants was able to hire some uh, other pretty well respected journalists here in Denver on and and their whole business model as well. we're going to do these big investigative packages basically and and have it on our website, but then we're also going to team up with uh, some of these print papers like uh, the Boulder Daily Camera mm-hmm. or uh, the paper up in Greeley
2: and the Colorado and uh,
1: Colorado and to you know they'll have our content right and uh they'll pay us some certain amount of money to help offset our costs but most of our money is going to come through a lot of these grants and other things but this is how they're going to uh make good investigative journalism in Colorado survive in the dig- digital age and my question is is will it work
2: oh, well and i think that's a good question especially if you're being if it's being delivered through the same venues that we're talking about are dying i mean you know they even if they're getting more traffic online are you still reaching a younger audience who's going to see this so my, I guess my concern would be, I love the idea. Of course we need more investigative journalism, but w- is, it, is the delivery vehicle through these other brands, quote-unquote, the right way to do it?
1: Yeah, and is it sustainable, right? like, And this is the problem with a nonprofit news agency, is once the, if, if and when the faucet gets turned off from these very generous donors, do you have something else that's going to support it? Will, will readers sort of s- step up, and uh, give donations to keep you alive. And so far, every news organization, every nonprofit news organization online that's tried that has failed.
2: But how does uh, – so there's MinnPost and Voice of San Diego. There's two exceptions. There's two uh, really um, investigative-oriented uh, web-only news websites in Minnesota and San Diego. They're independent uh, of, of each other. They're, but their model is clearly working. They've been around, both of them now, for – at least three years. Wouldn't iNews want to do something like brand? You know, re- make your own brand, and give it a go on your own. I don't know. Yeah,
1: I, I think that they're very focused on this uh, more narrow agenda of just doing these these big package investigative news stories, the ones where you're going to have reporters spending months and months and months. They're going to have really high impact. Voice of San Diego and some of those other ones, which are great sites. They're doing. They're almost fulfilling the role that a daily newspaper did, yeah. But just on and um just online, and I, I, you know, I think that that's that's a if if someone in Colorado can make a go of it with that format, I think that there's a wide open field. Um,
0: we should mention De- you know the in Denver Times, which was a project of uh, laid off Rocky Mountain news staffers, has kind of didn't really didn't really go anywhere, right? I mean, it's uh, it just yeah, they couldn't raise enough money, money. and. Yeah. They,
1: now it's just a I don't even think this it's being updated anymore.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um so it, it it's it's very ambitious the future. I think also in some ways it's it's technology. I mean, I think with the growth of the iPad and other sort of uh reader focused uh portable devices, you know, that are better than a smartphone for reading, that might possibly, possibly change things.
1: Well, let me frame it this way because instead of us just being the uh, naysayers that we're so good at, uh, I was trying gaming, to be hopeful well, <laughs> without let, being well, naive. Let's think about it this way: what, how will people be res- getting their news five years from now in Denver?
2: I, I think mostly online, yeah. I th- I, but I think it'll be multi-platform. I think it'll be a variety of places. I think it's going to be—I I don't know—I hate to even talk about the future like this, but I, I hope it's going to be something that is really rebranded for you know that allows people to 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 pick and choose by their interests and what they really need to be informed about what they want to be informed about instead of having either somebody sitting in in an anchor seat or you have to read a paper or, you know, I, I want to see all of it together, reaching different people in different ways.
0: Let's, let's not forget here that Arthur Sulzberger, you know, the sort of head head family, the Don Corleone of the New York times company had said, I think I want to say in 2007 that, I don't know if we'll be pre- printing, have a print product five years. So that's 2012. That's that's significant in this context, and I haven't heard any sort of quotes. So I haven't heard you know any sort of large other large media outlets sort of uh, foreboding or foreshadowing that. But it is significant. I mean, w- will the daily newspaper seem as anachronistic in five or ten years as a, sort of a barrel staver? Or a you know some sort of job. Well, I I think that the
1: daily newspaper, in the way it was before, which it was which was all things to everybody, right? The daily newspaper that would come out that would cover sports, cover education, cover the weather, provides you with the you know the TV schedule for that night. It's not going to exist anymore because resources have been stretched so thin. There's no way to do all of those things and remain profitable. I think five years from now, what we're going to see is everything is. Pretty much everything is going to be digital, right? Mm-hmm. So we're going to be, whatever wacky device uh, Steve Jobs is coming out with uh, three years from now is the thing that we're going to be consuming it on. The way we'll be, cons- the, the content providers, though, they're going to be in a local market, are going to be focused on very specific subjects. Right, So you'll have one entity like you see right now with ColoradoEdNews.com, which covers education really mm-hmm. well. They're going to own that issue, right? And they're going to hire reporters to own that issue, and you're going to see the same thing with sports, Say, see, see the same thing with weather. And there are going to be a number of websites that you can either subscribe to or they're for free, but the, the content will sort of be held in, in sort of one basket that you can go to online and sort of pulls from all those different outlets and and get a very full sense of what's going on and then for for there will still be print papers but i think they're going to be more focused like there's a lot of neighborhood papers that are actually doing really successful right they they um you know they barely have websites but they are actually hiring people on the Denver Daily News, uh, the uh, the Washington Park profile, some of these other things. They, it's like they haven't even been touched by this supposed uh, downturn for the fortunes of newspapers. They're still running fine. That's because their markets are so localized for for, the new, for their paper that they're not being affected by the online stuff. So I think a lot of those outlets will be picking up some of this um, statewide and, and citywide content too
2: so everything niche you no know, the end of general interest baby basically
0: it's like the category killers of media you know like category killers in retail is you know a s- store like borders or a store like um, you know uh, sports Authority and that's yeah. what's going to happen in, in media, whether it's online or print. Yeah, I think it's the mm-hmm.
1: end of general interest from one entity, but you will have basically media wholesalers, mm-hmm. like the Costco of media for you, where you can go in and you'll be able to basically customize and pick and choose whatever media you're going to be able to get. But there will be a few of these outlets that I think successfully that will be able to find a market for providing someone, like we're going to gather all this stuff for you so you don't have to sift through all the crap to find what you actually want.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. Let's get off this insider baseball <laughs> media wonk fest. Um, and what do we got from our listeners, our, our, all eight of them?
1: Okay, so actually this, uh, yesterday we threw out to our uh, friends on Facebook – the question of who actually watches local television news every night because I was actually really co- curious about this. And uh, Nicole Carrillo wrote, only when Ron Zapolo combs his dick broom. Otherwise, it's too distracting. <laughs> oh, dick broom. I, I, I'm, I'm very glad we were able to conclude that. And uh, Tavi Meyer said... Quote, watching the local news was and still is an activity I only participate in when stuck at my grandparents' house. <laughs>
0: okay, so thank you for that. Uh, yeah, and if you have you want to contribute or give us uh, ideas for story topics, go to our Facebook page or our website, uh, denverdiatribe.com, and just link to our Facebook from there. You can also follow us at Twitter, at Denver Diatribe. Uh, let's move on to love and hate. Vanessa, you're here for the first time and hopefully not the last time. Why don't you give us our love-hate?
2: Um, and I'm going to give a, uh, some hate because I, I really feel like I, I need to get it out. Um, attorney general to attorney Attorney General John Suthers, who um, allowed the Colorado Board of Education to be um uh, to to bypass state law and Governor Ritter's um wishes for uh, comprehensive sex education and uh, apply for a federal grant that is abstinence only education. Um, not only that, but the Colorado Board of Education allowed or asked a group of people uh, formerly known as WAIT, uh, which stands for Why Am I Tempted, their abstinence only, to fill out the application for them.
0: Jared? Okay,
1: I have a love, and this is for a website that apparently was created by uh, a Denver designer slash programmer, and it's called Craig's Lisp. Not <laughs> Craig's List, but Craig's Lisp, and what it does is it takes all the content from active Craigslist sites and reformats it so that all of the postings and all the headlines are respelled, but with a lisp. <laughs> and so they don't have one for Denver yet. They have a number of cities, but the one that they have on the front page when you go to it is for Fan Antonio. <laughs> so I, I encourage everyone to go and uh, buy and sell your goods on Craigslist.
0: <laughs> Sandy Seashells by the seashore. Remember that? Brady Bunch episode? Of course. Hell yeah. Cindy. All right. I'm going to hate on a topic that we kind of touched on, which is the salaries of nine news staff. Um, and this is just ridiculous. Adele Arakawa, $500,000 per year. Kathy Sabine, the weather woman, uh, over 400000 And Jim Benhaman, now at CBS4, nearly $700,000. You all make more than the president of the United States. I don't know what goes on in the newsrooms, you know, from what I've heard of what Dan Rather had to do. He was uh, famous for when someone came to interview him, he would be in front of a typewriter typing, even though he never did shit uh, that would require him to type. I don't know, you know, what the business model is that you really need a star, but when I watched... These people, they're competent, but really, that's your salary? Come on, you're making more than the president of the United States. It's it's ridiculous. It's unsustainable. And the number of decent journalists you could hire at forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars a year, it's you're you're dead weight. You're worse than a teamster on a major motion picture. Just oh, well, John,
1: John. To be fair, Ron Zapolo's dick <laughs> uh, broom doesn't grow itself. <laughs>
0: And that's all the dick broom growing we have time for here on the, the Denver Diet Tribe. I'd like to thank Vanessa Martinez for coming in and Jared Mayer and Joel Warner will be back next week. We promise. Uh, again, you can check us out, at denverdietribe.com at Denver Diet at Twitter. For all of us here at the Denver Diet Tribe, we are out.